Let's take a Bibles. It's been in Genesis <coughs> 21. This evening, Genesis chapter 21. <coughs> and, <coughs> excuse me, let's read from verse 1 as we begin. Genesis 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. That's a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to gather around your word. We pray, Lord, that you bless our time now this evening, that you would speak to our hearts through your word. Lord, I pray that you would empower me now through the Spirit and you give me wisdom and guidance and strength as I preach your word, that it would be indeed your words and your thoughts. Lord, I pray that this evening when we leave, we'd be blessed and refreshed by your word, that we leave singing your praises and giving all glory and honor unto your name. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, of course, <clears throat> last Sunday we... Uh, looked at Genesis chapter 20, and we saw there Abraham fail the Lord. We saw him sin. He yielded to temptation, and he fell into a place of sin. Of course, he'd gone down to the southern end of the, the promised land there, and he'd sojourned amongst the Philistine nation. And when he saw that they didn't fear God, they didn't fear the Lord, he became concerned about his safety. He was fearful for his life, that they would kill him to take Sarah from him. And so immediately we saw him begin to scheme to try and save his life. Now in that moment, Abraham forgot everything that he had learnt about the Lord. He forgot that his God is El Shaddai, the almighty God, the all-sufficient God. He forgot that his God was a shield and, and, and his exceeding great reward. He forgot these things. Abraham forgot that God was on his side. He didn't need to fear the the Philistines. But he got his eyes off the Lord and he got his eyes on the Philistine nation, on the men, and he became fearful of men. And it led him into sin. So as we saw, he lied about Sarah. And of course, the result was that he lost his testimony. He lost his testimony before the heathen king and before the heathen nation. And chapter 20 was certainly a low point, wasn't it, in the life of Abraham and Sarah? It was a low point. You know, they were not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. They were sinners, just like the rest of us. They struggled with the flesh, and at times, they failed. They failed to walk by faith. They walked by sight. And so it's wonderful then to see that after chapter 20, we come immediately to chapter 21, And after this low point in their lives, we come to chapter 21, which is a real high point in their lives. You see, we see God here in spite of their sin, we see God graciously and lovingly blessing his servants. You see, isn't it wonderful to see that God doesn't hold grudges? God forgives our sin, God restores us to fellowship, and we move forward with him. And this is what happens here with Abraham and Sarah. Immediately after this low point, chapter 20, we come to chapter 21 and we have this wonderful high. 
this wonderful time of great blessing in their lives. And so this evening, let's consider the blessing of God to Abraham and Sarah, the blessing of a son. After all these years of waiting. And so first of all here this evening, we see that this blessing was according to God's word. This blessing was according to God's word. Look in verse 1. It says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. The chapter begins by reminding us that this was the word of the Lord. This was the fulfillment of God's word unto Abraham and Sarah, the fulfillment of his promise to them. Twice here in verse 1, the point is made. It says there in verse 1, as he had said and as he had spoken. Twice, it's emphasized that this is what God had said would happen. And so the emphasis here in verse 1 is upon the fact that God keeps his word. God keeps his word. You know, way back in chapter 12, when we were first introduced to Abraham, we saw the Lord make him the promise. The promise that he would bring him out of there and give him a land, but also a promise that he would make of him a great nation. And that through that nation, all the world would be blessed. Let's just go back there and read it, chapter 12. <clears throat> In chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I'll make of thee a great nation, and I'll bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I'll bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. In verse 2 in particular, it says, And I'll make of thee a great nation. <clears throat> this is the very first uh, indication to Abraham that he would have a son, wasn't it? The very first indication that God was going to give him a son and that through him he would have many descendants. It's hard to be the father of a nation if you don't have any children. And so this was the very first promise, the very first indication of this promise from the Lord. You know, as they departed from Ur... And they began their journey first up to Haran and then, of course, across to the promised land. As they began that journey, these words were fresh on their mind, weren't they? They were fresh on Abraham's mind, the words of the Lord, the promise from God. He left believing that God would give him a son, believing God would give him an heir, and that God would make of him a great nation. You know, once they arrived in the land, God then on numerous occasions reiterated this promise. In chapter 13, we saw the Lord declare that his seed would be as the dust of the earth. You know, that Abraham, every time he looked down and he saw the dust, he'd be reminded of the extent of God's promise. His seed would be as the dust of the earth. Chapter 15, <clears throat> the Lord clearly promised that the heir would be his own flesh and blood. Remember, he said, Is one the servant in my house? Is that going to be my heir? And the Lord said, No, it will be your flesh and blood. And then the Lord said, look up at the stars of the heavens and they will be the number of your seed. And so every time he looked up, every time he looked down, he was reminded of this promise. He would have a son. In chapter 17, the Lord made his word even clearer that Sarah would be the mother of this son. This is after Ishmael, of course. The Lord said, it's not Ishmael. Sarah will be the mother. And 
His name will be Isaac. In chapter 18, Sarah heard for herself that wonderful promise that she would conceive and have a son. See, the point is that this is something that God has been promising, something that God has been stating to Abraham over and over again right throughout the course of their life. For 30 odd years, the Lord has been telling Abraham this same promise ever since he called them out of earth. And through all those years, God never once changed his word, did he? God never once changed his word to Abraham or to Sarah. Rather, he kept adding to it, didn't he? He kept revealing even more of it under him and adding more assurance, reinforcing it. And now finally, after all these years, the Lord brings his word to pass. You see, the wonderful truth that's presented here to us in Genesis 21 with the birth of Isaac, the wonderful truth presented is that God always keeps his word. God always keeps his word. Indeed, he must keep his word because of who he is. He is God. And so he must keep his word. The commentator Getz writes this. He said, God exists as the almighty God. He is omnipotent and all-powerful. But one thing he cannot do, nor would he do if he could. He cannot lie. When he makes a promise, he will never break it. Indeed, that's our God. Our God is immutable. He is unchanging. And his word is unchanging. Our God cannot lie. Now, in the New Testament, Paul declared this same truth to Titus concerning God's promises for us as believers. Just turn over there. In Titus chapter 1. In Titus chapter 1 verse 2. It says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God who cannot lie. See, God has given us these wonderful promises and he must keep his word because our God cannot lie. Love, we can be confident in the word of the Lord. We can be confident in his promises that God will do what he has said. He will, he, he must keep his word. You know, he kept his promise to send his son to provide a way of salvation. And we can know of surety that he will keep his promise to send his son to return and take us home to be with him one day. The promise of 1 Thessalonians 4. We know the passage well, but let's go and read it. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13. It says, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died... And rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. The Lord himself, for the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these 
words. You see, we can be confident that God will keep that promise, can't we? We can be confident that the Lord is coming again to take us home to be with Him. He will, He must keep His word. And you know, while we wait expectantly for His return, we can know that He will keep every other promise that He has made to us in His word. Now, the Word of God talks about the fact that He's given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. You know, He's promised to hear us when we pray. Talked about that this morning. Prayer and how the Spirit intercedes for us. He's promised to hear us when we pray. He's promised to supply our every need. He's promised, as Hebrews 15 verse 3 declares, to never leave us nor forsake us. Every promise, every word will be fulfilled because our God is the immutable God who cannot lie. It's a wonderful truth, isn't it? God must keep his word. We see, secondly, not only was this blessing according to God's word, but it was accomplished by God's power. Let's go back to Genesis 21. It was accomplished by God's power. Verse 1 again, it says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Secondly, here we see that not only was the birth of Isaac the wonderful fulfillment of God's word, God's promise, but we see that it was accomplished by God's power, wasn't it? was accomplished by his power. In verse 1 here, we're told the Lord visited Sarah. And the Lord did unto Sarah. You see, the Lord is the one who makes this come to pass. The Lord intervened in the natural course of events to bring to pass his word. Now, verse 2 reminds us that when Sarah conceived, Abraham was an old man. Verse 2, it says... For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Sarah conceived when Abraham was an old, old man. He was 99 years old when she conceived. She was 89. Both were physically incapable of having children. Now in chapter 17, verse 17, when Abraham heard the promise from God, he expressed his, his amazement that this could happen. With laughter and joy, just go back there, Genesis chapter 17, you remember this? We'll start in verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? Now Abraham, when he heard that, he, he laughed. There's a laugh of amazement, a laugh of uh, wonderful joy that God would do such an incredible thing. He knew it was physically impossible and he was now amazed that God was going to exercise his power and do this wonderful thing. Sarah in chapter 18, of course, she laughed in disbelief. She couldn't believe that it was going to happen. Remember that? Chapter 18, verse 11. Chapter 18, verse 11, it says, Now Abraham and Sarah 
were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. Sarah laughed in disbelief. She couldn't believe it would happen. You see, the point is that it was physically impossible. It was against the natural course of events. You know, the Lord responded to Sarah there by rebuking her, didn't he? In verse 13, it goes on and says, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah laughed in disbelief, and the Lord said, Is anything too hard for me? You see, the Lord made it clear that his power meant he was able to keep his word. He was able to, at the, at the time appointed, perform a miracle. And now here in Genesis 21, we see the Lord keeps his word, doesn't he? The Lord keeps his word. The Lord exercises his power. He proves that he is the almighty God. He proves that nothing is too hard for him as he visits Sarah and he restores her womb so that she can become pregnant. In Hebrews 11 verse 11, we're told that she received strength to conceive. The Lord strengthened her. The Lord enabled her to conceive. The Lord worked a miracle. Doing that which was in the eyes of men impossible, God exercised his power to keep his word. You see, isn't it wonderful to know that our God has the power to keep his word? You see, they go together, don't they? God must keep his word because he is immutable. He cannot lie. But God has the power to keep his word. He has the power. If God has promised it, then he has the power to perform it. Nothing is impossible with our God. And we've already seen God demonstrate that power to keep his word. We've seen it in the act of salvation, haven't we? You know, God, right back at the very beginning, Genesis 3.15, promised that he would send the seed of the woman to crush the head of Satan. God made that promise. And in God's timing, he exercised his power to bring to pass that promise, to bring it to fulfillment. He kept his word, sending his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die in our place, to be buried and rise again by his power. You see, nothing could stop the Lord's promise of salvation from coming to pass. Once he promised it, it was going to happen because of his power. Now, 1 Peter declares that we are saved and we are kept by his power. Just go there, 1 Peter 1. Probably know this verse, but 1 Peter 1. (coughs) Verse 5. 1 Peter 1 verse 5, it says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith under salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We are saved and we are kept by his power. Now, our Lord has done the impossible. He saved a wretch like me. He saved a wretch like you. He saved us. We've been saved by his power according to his word. And, And, you know, with that knowledge... The fact that we've seen him do it in the past, we can look forward and know that he will keep his word by his power in the future. 
He will, by His power, answer our prayers because He promises to. And He has the power to answer those prayers. He will, by His power, provide our needs. He will, by His power, protect us. He will, by His power, return to take us home to be with Him, 1 Thessalonians 4. You see, nothing is impossible with our God. He has the power to keep His word. The third thing we see here is that this blessing was fulfilled in God's timing. Fulfilled in God's timing. Go back there, Genesis 21 again. In verse 2, it says, For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. The third thing we see here about the birth of Isaac is that it was in God's perfect timing. It was according to his word. It was accomplished by his power and it was perfectly timed. It says there in verse 2, at the end of the verse it says, at the set time of which God had spoken unto him. It was at the set time. It was exactly when God in his eternal plan wanted him to be born. It was not a moment sooner. It was not a moment later. It was exactly when God determined it was right on time. Now, let's think about that for a moment. Now, Abraham and Sarah, they had to wait almost 30 years or over 30 years for this promise to be fulfilled. From the time they first heard it in Ur until it was fulfilled, it's around 30 years or so, for this promise to come to pass. Now, during those 30 years, they'd seen the Lord keep many of his other promises to them. But right throughout those years, this promise was left unfulfilled. For years, Sarah had to live with the perceived shame that was attached to being barren. Now, in those days, it was considered a shameful thing for a woman to be barren. You know, she must have been cursed by God. She had to live with that shame for 90 years. She also had to live with her husband's name being Abram, father of many. Imagine the the shame and the ridicule she must have copped because of that. And then the Lord changes his name to father of nations, Abraham. And that wouldn't have helped. That wouldn't have made things any easier. You see, this must have been a heavy burden for her, not just her, but Abraham to bear throughout all these years as they waited for this promise. Indeed, these years were hard. They were at times discouraging. They were at times, they, they, they themselves became impatient, didn't they? And we've seen that. You know, the question might be asked, why did the Lord wait so long for the fulfillment of his promise? Why did the Lord wait these 30 years before finally answering and keeping his word? You know, why did the Lord allow Abraham and Sarah to go through this trial, to suffer this heartache, to suffer this sorrow for so many years? Now, couldn't God see their sorrow? Couldn't God see their suffering? through all of these years? And of course he did. God knew what was happening. He was in control. He knew exactly what was taking place. But the point is that God's timing is always best. There was a reason why God waited until this particular time to keep his word. There's a couple of reasons. But the first one that stands out is that so that he might get the glory. 
The Lord waited so that he might be magnified, so that he might be glorified. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 19, Paul declares that Abraham and Sarah were both dead physically when God finally performed this miracle. We sort of already touched on this, but let's go there. Romans 4. Excuse me. Romans 4, verse 19, it says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. They were both physically dead in the sense they were incapable of having children. It was beyond them. It was physically impossible. God waited until this point to perform the miracle. Why? Because it meant that the miracle was even greater, wasn't it? If the Lord had given them a child when they first left earth, it would have been amazing, but it still was possible physically. If he waited until Sarah was unable, but Abraham still could maybe, still a miracle, yes, but it's even more amazing now, isn't it? When both of them are incapable, both of them are dead physically. You see, God's timing meant the miracle was greater. It meant that his name was magnified. His name was glorified as he did that which was impossible. And it wasn't just Abraham and Sarah who were led to praise God by this miracle. You think about it. Imagine the effect that this must have had upon their servants. Abraham's a rich man. He has a lot of servants. Imagine the effect it must have had upon them to see Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, conceive and give birth. Imagine the effect it must have had upon the heathen nations around them as they saw this take place. You see, God did the impossible before their very eyes. Everybody saw. Everybody witnessed the power of God, and God was glorified. God was magnified. Not only was God glorified by this timing, it also was used to teach Abraham and Sarah. It was used to teach them. You see, during those long years, waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, Abraham and Sarah couldn't see the reason, could they? They couldn't understand why it was taking so long for this to happen. That's what led them to try and dissolve it themselves. You know, perhaps we need to do this. That's what led to Ishmael coming on the scene. You see, they couldn't see the reason. They didn't understand why God delayed, why God waited. Indeed, at times they faltered, they became impatient. But God little by little, was teaching them to trust him more, wasn't he? Little by little, he was teaching them. God used this time, these 30 years, to increase their faith, to teach them patience. They learnt the truth of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, that it's through patience and faith that we inherit the promises. Let's go there, Hebrews 6. Let's just read it, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. Here is 6 verse 12 says that ye be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Abraham and Sarah learned this. It's through faith and patience you inherit the promises. And beloved, we likewise must learn. Must learn to in faith patiently wait upon the Lord. You see, God's timing is always best. 
There is always a reason for the trial that's before us. Even though in the midst of that trial, we can't see the reason. We can't see the end. We don't understand it. There's always a reason. There's always a reason why it seems like God is delaying keeping his word. Love, we go back to the first point. God must keep his word. He cannot lie. And so there's a reason why he seems to be delaying. He will keep his word in his timing. There's always a reason why he allows that trial, that affliction to continue on. God's using that trial in our lives to teach us, to increase our faith, and he's using it for his glory. Ultimately, it's for his glory, so he might be glorified. Now, James chapter 1, we know the passage well, but it makes this point clear. James chapter 1. James 1 and verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You see, here we see clearly that God is using these things to try our faith. And it works patience, it works endurance, it teaches us. It's through faith, sorry, it's through these trials that our faith is tested. Our faith is built up in the Lord. You know, Job 23, verse 10 puts the truth another way. Let's just turn over there. Job 23. <clears throat> Job 23, and verse 10. Another wonderful verse. It says, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. The Lord is trying us, purifying us, to make us what he wants us to be. Beloved, we need to trust that God knows what he's doing. It's hard at times, isn't it? But we need to trust that he knows what he is doing and learn in faith to patiently wait upon him for his perfect timing. You know, whether that means patience as we wait for his return, and we're all looking forward to that day, and we have to patiently wait. It seems like it should happen any time, but we don't know when. We have to patiently wait for his timing, but God will keep his word by his power. He will return for us. It also means waiting for him to answer our prayers in his timing. It means waiting for him to provide our needs. It means waiting for him to deliver us from some trial, some affliction, something we're suffering, we're going through. Whatever it may be, beloved, we need to understand that God knows best. His timing is always perfect. The commentator Meyer writes this, he says, God has his set times. It's not for us to know them. Indeed, we cannot know them. We must wait for them. That's true. God has his set times and it's not for us to know. That's his business. That's for him to know. We just have to patiently wait upon him and trust him by faith that he's in control and he knows what he's doing. We see fourthly now this evening that it was responded to accordingly. This blessing was responded to accordingly. Let's go back to Genesis 21. Verse 3, it says, And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him Isaac. 
And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Finally, this evening we see Abraham and Sarah's responses to this wonderful miracle from the Lord. God had kept his word by his almighty power in his perfect timing. And now we see that his servants, they respond. And their, their response is fitting. In verse 3 to 5, we see Abraham's response, and it's one of obedience and faith. In verse 3, as we read, it says, And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Abraham's response is one of obedience. You know, previously, the Lord had told him that he was to call his son Isaac. Chapter 17, verse 19, just quickly. <clears throat> chapter 17, verse 19, the Lord said, it says, And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. Now establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. The Lord had told him, commanded him, that he was to name his son Isaac. And so this naming of his son is an immediate act of obedience, isn't it? His son is born, and the first thing he does is he names his son Isaac. He acknowledges what God has done. He acknowledges that this was the work of God. And in obedience, he names his son. And the name Isaac, of course, means laughter. Laughter. And it was a constant reminder to both Abraham and Sarah of their initial responses to the promise from the Lord that they would finally have a son. Abraham, of course, had laughed for joy, chapter 17. Sarah had laughed in disbelief, chapter 18. But now the name Isaac would always remind them of the joy of God. The joy that God had brought into their lives with this wonderful, amazing miracle. This blessing which he had given unto them. Not only did Abraham obey by naming his son Isaac, but he also obeyed by circumcising him on the eighth day. As we read there in verse 4, it says, And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. This is what God had commanded him in chapter 17, verse 10 to 14. God had said that he was to circumcise his whole house on the eighth day. It was the sign of the covenant. It demonstrated that they were God's people, that they belonged to him. It was a demonstration of their faith in God. And Abraham, he demonstrates his faith. He obeys the Lord and he circumcises Isaac. And so Abraham's response to this wonderful blessing from God, to seeing God keep his promise by his power. Abraham's response is obedience and faith. And in doing so, he gives glory to God, doesn't he? He gives glory to God for the birth of his son. Sarah, she responds in like fashion by rejoicing and praising God. Look at verse 6. It says, And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in 
his old age. Sarah proclaims in verse 6, she says, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. She laughs for joy now. Laughing for joy, wonder, amazement at what God has done. Laughing for joy at the, the power, the majesty of her God. Now what a contrast this is to her initial response in chapter 18, where she laughed within herself. She laughed silently in her heart out of disbelief. But now she laughs out loud for all to hear, and she's laughing for joy with happiness in her heart, rejoicing, giving thanks to God. You know, she held now in her arms the son that God had promised to her. We can only imagine the joy that would have washed over her in that moment. You see, God had not failed. God had proven his word to be true, and so she rejoices with amazement. I mean, verse 7 is all about that amazement. She says, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Indeed, no one, no one would have thought this possible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, Sarah here rejoices in the greatness of her God. You know, the account before us this evening reminds us that our God will always keep his word by his mighty power in his perfect timing. And beloved, like Abraham and Sarah, let us respond with obedience and let us respond with rejoicing in the greatness of our God. You know, while we wait for God to answer, while we wait for him to keep his word, let us not become discouraged, but rather let us look to him in faith, knowing that he has a plan, he has a purpose for what we're going through. Beloved, his timing is always perfect. Let us wait upon the Lord. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you are the immutable God who cannot lie. That, Lord, you must keep your word. We thank you that you have the power to keep your word. And that, Lord, all things will be fulfilled in your perfect timing. Lord, we look forward to uh, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look forward to that wonderful day when you'll keep your promises to us. But, Lord, as we wait expectantly for that day, help us to remember as we go through the trials of this life, Remember your promises to us. Remember that you are indeed all-powerful, that you will keep your word. Lord, may you help us to, to learn in faith and patience to wait upon you. Wait and trust upon you, knowing that you know best. May you bless now, Lord, as we close, and we pray these things in Jesus' name.